Binoculars, the podcast about the people, the world, our society. My name is Andreas Copes, and in this week's episode, I want to talk about American Sign Language. In the last episode, we talked about Black American Sign Language, and I got such a tremendous feedback about this episode from different parts of the planet, such as Germany and America. If you want to experience American Sign Language or learn more about this way of communicating, you can look for deaf events like bazaars, church ceremonies, or group meetings. Here in Philadelphia, I can recommend the organization and Facebook group Pen in Hand by the University of Pennsylvania. And by all means, take advantage of courses in ASL being offered by high schools and colleges. You will learn a language more alive than Latin, although <laughs> Latin scholars will argue that point. So, regarding this episode, I had the opportunity to learn more about deaf culture in my communications class last semester. Jeff Carroll, a professor of ASL at the Community College of Philadelphia, talked about different ways the deaf communicate or are forced to communicate how they navigate in a hearing world, and how they are depicted in pop culture. Carol began and talked about different forms of communication and how the deaf can identify. He used the image of a spectrum to explain how deaf or hard of hearing people have different approaches of communicating. On the one side, the extreme, we have ASL, Pigeon Sign English, and exact sign English. ASL is a true bona fide language. It has its own rules, structure, like English or German. Pigeon Sign English is a form of signing in which you pick ASL signs, but you use the English language structure. Exact Sign English is self-explanatory. No facial expressions, but with a grammar structure of English, including punctuation. On the other side of the spectrum, there's oralism. Oralism is the focus of the deaf on the hearing community and the attempt to imitate their communication forms. The deaf on this side of the spectrum are using lip reading and trying to speak. Additionally, they are sometimes users of hearing aids like a cochlear implant. Carol moved on to talk about the deaf community in the US nowadays and yesterday. The total number of ASL communicators in the US has decreased to 5% of 326 million due to technology and cutting-edge medical techniques. Washington DC has a concentrated deaf and hard-of-hearing population, a result of more opportunities afforded by Gallaudet University, founded in 1867 as a grammar school for both deaf and blind students. In DC, the deaf communicate overwhelmingly in ASL. Looking over into other states in the US, New Jersey and Ohio have many high schools offering ASL classes. Not so many in Pennsylvania though. The number of people using ASL, deaf or hearing is rising. Jeff Carroll is waiting for the day when there are more hearing than deaf using ASL. 
before I went into this interview, I listened to a podcast by WNYC about American Sign Language, and they mentioned a township project by Marvin Miller, who is also a deaf person, and he thought about creating a whole village for deaf people. And I asked Jeffrey Carroll if he supports the idea of a total deaf community, deaf township, or what he thinks about it. The voice that you can hear in this podcast is actually not the voice of Jeffrey Carroll, the professor. It's the voice of the interpreter. Now, if you really understood the deaf intention, then I think you'd be aware if you take for account the history, all the discrimination, the oppression, the autism that happens again and again and again. I completely understand the thought of just giving up on that and having your own community where you don't experience any of those. My opinion, you know, the legitimate concerns, issues, would I want to be involved and live in that community? No, I wouldn't. Um, just me personally. But I think there are other deaf people for specific reasons that I just mentioned who would be interested in that. You know, you just get fed up with the oppression and have your deaf family, maybe um, Marvin Miller has a strong deaf family, fourth generation, I think. So he's a really bright guy, um, very well-educated, very intelligent. So he identified that need about setting up a community. So they first tried near Sioux Falls in South Dakota. That's when they first tried to get it running, and it didn't work. It was not successful. So I don't know if they gave up, but it's been quiet. I haven't really heard anything. So I don't know if it was the wrong area, the wrong state, the wrong time. But um, recently I heard that they're going to try again with a second attempt and see if they can get it up and running. And I do believe that they could be successful. Back in the 1600s at Martha's Vineyard, it was very isolated. It was a small population of people who lived in Martha's Vineyard. It was a group from England, and they came over from England by boat to avoid religious prosecution that's happening in England. And they set up in Martha's Vineyard, and they were native. There were natives in that area where they set up in Martha's Vineyard. They were separate; they didn't live together, but they had the same group of people. They were isolated from. Um, the mainland, they were on their island, and they just did their own thing. And then they started marrying each other and reproducing, and then they noticed that they had a lot of deaf children, um, also from sickness. Um, you know, like if you marry your second or third cousin, you start having the birth defects, um, you know, because you have the same lineage. So they did start seeing um, more diseases, more deafness, and other disabilities pop up, which of course is bound to happen when you have that situation. So they started signing with each other, all the hearing and deaf people, everybody. They coexisted, everybody could sign with each other. Their community was wonderful. Deaf people were leaders, they were involved in the community. So I think that Marvin Miller is really looking back at that and thinking that we can have that again. You know, if hearing people all knew American Sign Language, everyone, and that's what happened in Martha's Vineyard, all hearing people knew sign, not just the deaf people. They coexisted peacefully together and successfully. I think the other reason also was a political reason. I think there were political repercussions. They wanted political representation for themselves. They didn't want other people representing them and speaking for them because those people were hearing and they don't know what deaf people need and what our community needs. They wanted to be able to decide for themselves, set up a school that matched their needs, some, you know, whatever it might be, whatever they needed to run. 
be able to choose it for themselves. So I think that's um, Marvin's reasoning behind why he chose that small town near Sioux Falls. That's my two cents. I mean, maybe in the future they'll have a House of Representatives. If, if this is successful, maybe they'll have a representative in Congress. Um, so I mean, I applaud his attempt and his um, effort on that. So, and I think there's solid reasons why he decided to do that. So. In the early 1800s, education for the deaf did not exist. There was no schooling available, which resulted in isolating and stigmatizing deaf children. In 1817, the first school for the deaf using ASL opened and shortly thereafter, other schools for the deaf were founded nationwide. These schools opened in largely heavily populated areas which resulted in a higher concentration of deaf people and development of culture of the deaf. The deaf were able to meet and establish their own communities. ASL was natural, visible and accepted. But in the 1880s, society deemed signing unacceptable and forced the deaf into oralism. The deaf who used ASL had to conceal it. It was relatively recent, in fact, in the 1970s, that ASL became acceptable. Even though France is the birth country of sign language, it gave up on signing in the 1800s and never went back. Unfortunately, that is also the case for other European countries. But there is a ray of hope. Carol mentioned that Europe is looking over the Atlantic Ocean and tries to get back to use sign language. In America, the ratio of deaf people using sign language or trying to adapt to a speaking and hearing majority is 50-50, because the deaf community is still fighting autism, the belief that hearing people are superior to deaf people. Deaf people are part of a subculture, and with the concentration of deaf people in certain areas, they develop deaf culture. One part of it is deaf fashion. The deaf and their hands have to be visible. This means signer must wear a contrasting color to that signer's skin tone, enabling the signing to stand out. Carol mentioned deaf architecture or deaf space, which is a project to design public or living space for the deaf, emphasizing visibility. You can learn more about the deaf space project on a link that I will put onto my blog. Moving on. Carol went on and mentioned a guy that I have mentioned in my last episode, Nolly Marco. He's a model and was a competitor on the TV show America's Next Top Model, where he won in 2015. And America was surprised, since he is the first deaf person to succeed in a mass media competition. DiMarco then got the opportunity to compete in Dancing with the Stars, and he won again. People were surprised a deaf person could win a show one would think requires the ability to hear. At the end of one of the last episodes, he signed on live television in an interview which was inspiring for deaf children or young adults to watch and understand that ASL is something that is normal and accepted. Naldi Marco is a popular user of ASL. In direct opposition to this positive progress is the Alexander Graham Bell Association, whose mission is to force oralism on the deaf community, to make deaf and hard of hearing people hear and speak. Since Naldi Marco gained publicity, 
his approach to language became public as well, and it showed the world that there are other ways for the deaf to communicate. Naldi Marco is an ambassador of ASL and clearly stands against oralism. All in all, Carol opines that the deaf community has not had its Martin Luther King moment yet. A movement called Deaf President Now never gained momentum or support for a non-hearing president. Carol calls deafness an invisible disability. People in wheelchairs are visibly disabled. Deafness, though, is invisible. And Carol adds, "Do not be scared. It's not contagious." So, I hope this podcast episode taught you. Not to feel sorry for deaf people, because that's not what they want. So think about someone who speaks, someone who speaks Finnish. That's a different language as well. Do you speak the language? No. But can you get along with each other? Yes. Are you sorry for the person who speaks Finnish? No. In total, I want everyone just to be aware of deaf people being. Normal people—it's just the society that pushes them into a niche. Certainly, don't feel sorry for deaf people because that is what Jeffrey said in his last statement. Now, some people might be wondering if I'm happy as a deaf person, and I want you to know that I am absolutely. I'm not depressed. I don't feel sorry for myself. So, if you see a deaf person, don't say, "Oh, I'm sorry." Don't do that. You know, we're fine. It's great. I have sons. They're going to college. I mean, everything's great in my life. You know, <clears throat> there is a stigma that people think deaf people aren't happy, and it's just not true. So don't feel sorry for deaf people. All right. I mean, there are plenty of us. We're independent. We have good, fulfilling lives, and it's not something you should worry about. So if you meet a deaf person and you say, Are you happy? Go ahead and ask them. I bet they'll say they are. <laughs>